All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 224 of the DFO Rundown, brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now with Botano.ca and the uh, game in the Stanley Cup final. Finally, Frank, uh, it did begin on uh, Saturday night in Vegas and the, uh, the Golden Knights get the win. And it was a close game, as Paul Marie said, I think, for uh, for 40 minutes. In Vegas. Everyone just fucking breathe. <laughs> yeah. To- <laughs> it was such an unbelievable quote. Like, I love the way he said it. Like, he like he, he could be a good actor. Oh, it was awesome. Hey, you know what? He's the, I, I like what he said about, hey, we lost against Boston. But here's the difference. It's the Stanley Cup final. And uh, losing game one in the Stanley Cup final is much higher odds of losing the series than you do if you lose game one in any other round. So it just it means more. And man, they're going to have a tough time against Vegas's defense. That that to me was apparent last night. Well, also apparent, and I suggested this on the show the other day. <clears throat> is there a possibility that after ten days off, Sergei Bobrovsky turned into a pumpkin again? Like when you play that well and you're that unconscious in a rhythm and you've literally played every other day for six weeks, tonight was, or uh, Sunday was day 49 of, of the playoffs. You've been in a rhythm for 38 of the first 49 and then you do nothing for 10 days and you let in four. Now, yeah, too, I'm not saying yeah. they, they're all his fault because, like, there were a bunch of screens from distance. But, like, that shot that Stone scored on off the, off the turnover right in the slot to ice the game, essentially, he's making that save before. Yeah, it's still a pretty sweet shot, though. Like, No, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the shot. I'm just saying Bobrovsky wasn't letting in anything. It's the first time that he let in four since the Boston series. Yeah. Um, is there any, like, does that, they, like, there's no more aura of invincibility that, that is revolving around Bobrovsky now. Like, the Golden Knights are like, yeah, okay, who? Like, we don't care. They're not no. sitting there scared of Sergei Bobrovsky now. Yeah, well, we all thought that, hey, if they were going to win this series, it was going to be um, Bobrovsky was going to have to steal the show, right? And um, at least that's what I felt anyway, that, you know, he would have to steal the show because I just think Vegas has better depth up front. And their six defense are better top to bottom than Florida. It's not really close. 
in my eyes. And uh, like Vegas's defense reminds me a lot of, of St. Louis and Tampa Bay, just all huge. And, and even Colorado when they won uh, now, obviously Kale McCarr is a unicorn, so he maybe doesn't count, but you look at the Johnsons and Manson, you know, they're all big, right? Uh, don't bring up Gerard cause he didn't play. And he wasn't playing in the final three rounds of that Stanley Cup final. So size does matter on the blue line, unless you're Kale McCarr. And it's not like he's small, but I, Vegas's defense, their defense, man, I just, they're really good. Like, they're, they're third pair. The coach isn't scared to play him against anybody. Well, why should you be? Because their third yeah. pair is really good. Ah. They've, they've mined some incredibly important pieces for under three million bucks. Oh, yeah. Zach Whitecloud, Nick Like I love how people are in Nick Haig's face, and he's like, yeah, what? so what? Yeah. He laughs it off. Hey, like, Nick, these guys hey, about- are, are quality players that are signed for a couple more years under $3 bucks. Nick Haig, the only drafted player by the Vegas Golden Knights organization who's playing for them in the Stanley Cup final. Well, yeah, I mean, there's been Zach Whitecloud is an undrafted free agent that they mined. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, but I'm just saying, draft. Like, I, you, you, hey, drafting, developing, obviously matters. Do, you, do, but, you, do they not get any credit for the expansion draft? Well, of course, yeah. But uh, well, hello, Shay Tidor. Hey, they school. When you look at Riley and and you and Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall, so that that it's funny that they're playing Florida, Frank. Because that's the gift from Dale Talon that keeps on giving. Oh my goodness. It's a crusher. And then, Hey, they like Peyton Krebs. They've traded, you know, they've traded some good draft picks to get guys like Mark stone. Like they've made significant trades, right. And they did trade Suzuki, you know, and some would argue that, you know, in hindsight, they've lost that trade, but no one wins every trade and still builds. And, you know, they're three wins away from Bill Foley being a prophet and being bang on that. We're going to win the Stanley cup in six years. He's like the modern day Peter Pocklington. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Vegas Golden Knights, franchise history, 2-0 and in game ones. 0-4 hmm. and in the rest. Yeah, here's the difference. This time, they got the save, Frank. Everybody remembers the Braden Holtby save oh. for Washington in 2018. I was in the building. Last night, it was Aiden Hill. Or I went man. back and found the story. That was the story I wrote that night. Yeah. Even though the Golden Knights won, Braden Holtby, that was it. Oh. Ridiculous. There, and if you go in the Caps arena... Huge photo of it. Oh, as there should in the press be. Box. Yeah, it's everywhere. Massive. So I look and at Brayton uh, Holpe, like Aiden Hill, did not start Art. the playoffs as his team's number one guy. Has well, there I, ever I, been a Has there ever been a more unlikely goalie matchup in the Cup final? Neither guy was his team's starter heading into the playoffs. <laughs> Does that also lend credence to the theory that I was talking about a few weeks back that you need both, you need two guys or, do, or is the fact that both of these guys have sort of run the table since they got in? Does that take away from my theory? Yeah, I think it does a little bit because, you know, we've seen this before Brayton Holpe, for instance, he didn't start the first two games. He didn't start game one and then came in halfway through game two when Washington was down to nothing in, in the first series. And then they came back and won, you know, Matt Murray and Flurry switched a little bit, although the one year was basically all Murray. I think he played 15 out of 16. So I, I think, you know, you look at Vasilevsky and that, and they'll say no, but Colorado last year had it, Frank. So I think it depends. If you have an elite guy, I don't think you need it. I, I think lots of the other guys will benefit from not having it. But Aiden Hill's now on a stretch of games where he started this many games or he's never started this many games in his career consecutively, and he's playing great still. All right, let me throw something at you. I've been thinking about this a lot. Win or lose, do the Florida Panthers have an easier time trading Sergei Bobrovsky now if they're willing to retain some salary? It's been absolutely untradeable. Like, even if you were to get him down to seven million bucks in the past, people are like, yeah, okay, no chance. Well, for sure. What do you think? Would someone yeah, if, take him if you if you sweetened it enough? He's got three years left, correct? Three years left at ten schmil. Yeah, so you're saying retain thirty percent. I'm I'm saying like, it, would someone take a chance on Sergey Bobrovsky three years at six mil? So would you? 40. But if you're Florida, 
Yeah, you save four million, but who are you replacing him with? You got to turn the keys over to Spencer Knight. He begins a three-year contract at four point five. But are you sure he's ready to play? Spencer Knight's not even with the team. He's not with the team because he had a, a mental health issue that he sought help for. Yeah, but like, does any is there being an I update? I think there. Like, I, I at least from I've checked in on the file and I'm told that. He uh, is is doing really well, and there are no concerns about a future issue. Okay. Well, then, yeah, it's it's a conversation for sure. The question is you have to look at teams because if you're taking Sergei Bobrovsky, to me, you're taking him as a team that th- feels they're ready to compete. Or That's what I mean. So, but, so, like, think of the teams that are ready to compete that need a goalie. You want me like, to remember them? Yeah, well, Ottawa. Okay, well, let's start with Vegas. Because they don't have anyone under contract. Yeah, but they're not do- they're not taking Bobrovsky. Aiden Hill might just beat them. They could sign Aiden Hill for three. Right, million. but I'm saying it, it might not be Aiden. Either way, they got to figure out their goalie situation for next year. Okay, I'm just yeah. just naming the teams. Vegas. Uh, you've got the I'm going with L.A. Kings. <laughs> you've got the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have Samsonov, but no one else because I'm, I think everyone's expecting Matt Murray to be on LTIR. You've got probably the Winnipeg Jets because they're, my guess is that Connor Hellebuck's not coming back. You've got the Ottawa Senators, as you mentioned, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Tristan Jari is a UFA, the Carolina Hurricanes, both goalies are up, and the New Jersey Devils, a team that expects to compete that has Vanacek and Schmid both back, but would you rely on that tandem to get you where you want to get to? Yeah. Of those teams, the one that might make the most sense, Frank, uh, might be Winnipeg if they lose Hellebuck, right? And and if they're trading him, because I know there's some rumblings about the LA Kings and Hellebuck. And, um, so you, you know, basically I- get Bobrovsky. You're not going to have to pay a lot to get him, right? Because like the win for Florida is getting him off your books. Yes. So you don't pay a lot to get him and you replace Hellebuck at basically the same cap hit in Bobrovsky. Let's call it 6 million bucks. We're just hypothetical having a discussion. And then you still give your team a chance to win next year. But Sergey also has to agree to be traded. Well, that's the thing. He's got a full no trade, no move. And by all accounts, absolutely loves living in Florida. Yeah. So I, I think the odds are pretty low. You think the odds are pretty low that they move him or that they try? Well, they might try. They'll have to talk to him and see. And I think that out of the teams that you mentioned, Frank, I think New Jersey and Carolina would be the only two places that that, that he would want to go. Um, lots of Russian guys love New York City. And then, of course, Carolina's weather is pretty close to, to Florida. So those would be the only two I think might have a plausible chance to do it. Um, and New Jersey is an interesting one to me because – you know, you have two younger goalies, and I know Vanisek's playoff numbers haven't been great early. We could say that about a lot of players, and suddenly smokes. you wake up. Uh, and Schmid's a, a young rookie, and I think they might like him. So I'm going to guess that Tom Fitzgerald sticks kind of with those two guys. They're obviously uh, they're not going to qualify um, uh, McKenzie, so he'll go as a as a free agent. I think they'll run with those two. So how do you bring Vanacek back with those playoff numbers? Uh, I'm sorry, but he's unreliable to me. Yeah, that's fair. He has been, but I like know that, it's only ten games. But this this year's save percentage: seven games played, four games started, eight twenty five. Again, super small sample size. The previous year, two games, eight sixty three. Yeah, and then his sure. first ever game started in the playoffs, seven fifty. Yeah, I, I think they're going to look at more. Of what did what did Vanisek do for them in the playoffs? I mean, in, sorry, in the, the regular, regular season, he had yeah. a nine eleven in the regular season, and an, a career eight thirty four in ten games played. I'm sorry, like that's when you made that's when you earn your money. I just like I would need something else to keep me warm and fuzzy at night. Yeah, but Akira Schmid, that's the rookie. He had a nine twenty two in the regular season and then played pretty well. Like didn't have a lot of experience. I think they're going to go with the tandem because they don't have to overplay either one of them. Okay, well, then be prepared for your team to go backwards if that's the case. To go from where they were at to 
second round back to first or first, you know, second round to, I could, you know, depending on what happens with the devils this summer, I think they, they really hit it out of the park this year. And I really like what they're building, but like there are a couple sideways things away from like taking a real step back. Yeah. The the thing is, man, like you, you just look at goaltending, like, honestly, it's so unpredictable from year to year. Um, Vanasek and Schmid, one of them, you know, they work on something, they figure it out, and yeah, it's going to be really difficult to be eight twenty, Frank. You know what I mean? Like that's it's hard Is to it? do. I yeah. Mean, okay. Yeah. So, but it like I'd be all thing. over John Gibson this summer. Well, hey, there's the thing. So John Gibson's out there. Finally, so I reported this on Friday that yeah. he, he's let the Ducks know it's time to go. Yeah, and Hellebuck is out there. So Hellebuck has one year remaining at 6.1. And uh, John Gibson has four more two. years left. How many? Four. Four. Okay. So Hellebuck is one. I, I, Hellebuck has been way better. So the big question is going to be about John Gibson is how much of his numbers are due to his play and how much are due to the team that's played in front of him for the last few years? Because his numbers haven't been great for four years, Frank. I see. Well, that's the thing. He's also been playing in front of one of the worst teams. And this year, they actually were the worst team. And you want to know the scary part about his career, his statistically career worst season? His save percentage was 899, playing on the 32nd place team. Guess what the league average save percentage was? 902. 899. He literally was exactly league average on the 32nd place team in the league. Mike yeah. McKenna was saying he watched him technically and he's like, I've seen no improvement in John Gibson's game and, and that'd be the last guy that I would trade for. But nonetheless, I just look at his track record. I look at the teams that have played that, that defense in Anaheim. Are you kidding? No. How could you possibly expect to have decent numbers with that playing in front of you? You have two bona fide NHL defensemen. Yeah, well, you look you look at Gibson. He was 904, 903, 904, 899 his last four years. Like, you got to go back to 2019 when he was 917 that he had, you know, any, any sort of above average numbers. Now, I know the save percentage this year, Frank, is down, as you mentioned. So, um, and I, you know what? That doesn't mean that goalies are necessarily bad. It just means offense is better. I just want to point that out. Just like people who felt like, oh, the 80s goalies are terrible because they're save percentage. I'm like, yeah, you might want to look a little bit deeper than just that. But I wonder how much of Gibson was mental, Frank, where you know going into most games, you're going to get your chances of winning. Shellacked. Yeah. Like your odds of winning are completely low. Like you look at how many shots the guy faced every night. Well, that's why a lot of people think that he's not that good because he sees so much rubber that his save percentage is always higher than normal. What do you think about that theory? Wow, that's an interesting theory because you know he's he's facing that many shots, and you're saying, well, that's only saving his save percentage. Well, I need to look deeper and say, okay, well, how many of those are are high are high danger chances, right? That's that's always the key because shots. I agree, shots can just like a guy who can be Corsi four because he's on the ice and he's taking a bunch of you know lame ass shots, but. His high danger uh, scoring chance save percentage last year was 862, which I think is quite good. Yeah. So here's here's the numbers. If you look at guys who are around him when it comes Even to Even strength save percentage, 907. Yeah. Here's the shot totals, like the, tall, the guys who had um, 1,900 shots. So UC Saros had the most at 2,099. He had a yeah, But how many more games did Saros play? Oh yeah, he, yeah. He started. Ten, yeah, these guys. Here's the funny thing. These guys all started ten more, way games. more games, and his save, yeah. his, his saves, or his shots against are pretty damn close. Oh, shots against per game is ridiculous, but I'm just saying his overall shots against total, just minutes played and everything. He was at 1983. Hellebuck's 1964. Georgiev is 1904, and Saros is 2099. We're talking the other- same number of shots, and they've played eleven more games. Yeah. So if we're just going off of shots, um, Hellebuck, 920, Saros, Georgiev, 919, and Gibson's 899. But he also faced, as you mentioned, Frank, he started 52 games. Those other guys started 62 to 64. 
and he still had the second most shots. Like it was disgusting how many shots the Ducks would give up. And so fatigue. He, he allowed the league's most goals against in 200 and still had a league average save percentage. Yeah. Like I'm, I wouldn't give up a lot. Like, I don't think John Gibson. I don't think to- you can even command a lot if you're Anaheim. No, it's the term and dollars that are the issue. Yes. But I would take a, I would place a wager on him because he's, he's still under 30. The contract isn't like the cap. It isn't that crazy. And if he's good, you've got four years of stability in net. The question is, does he have, you know, what, what say does he have in terms of where the next place is? He's got a 10 team, no trade list, which teams are on that list. And how do you reshape your list to to steer where you want to go? That's always the game agents and and players are playing right now at this exact time of year is, oh, let's have a real good sense of the goalie market and what it looks like. And let's submit our list to really make life difficult. That's what team that's what some players can do. And and keep in mind, if he if he really wants out, which we know he does, he can just wave it completely and say, I'll go anywhere. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at what his ex, like saves above expected was because that's another pretty good. You know, you can look at save percentage. That's one. You got to look at other things, and um, he is not uh, he's not ranking uh, um, very high there. As wow. I'm uh, scrolling through the list to to try to find his name, Frank, like you got to go down uh, pretty far to find him. So because like there's some guys that are getting shelled with tons of shots, but they're making ridiculous amounts of saves. And um, looking his at expected him. goals against based on shots faced location against league average shooting percentage from those locations was 148. Yeah, he like I'm, 200 goals against at Money Puck, he's minus 11.5. He's ranked 100. Yeah, of goals saved above expected. Um, you look at now save percentage on unblocked shots. He had a, a 941. You can you can do this to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you could look. But at I think here's people. the thing. Regardless of what his numbers are, the truth is the perception among NHL GMs is that John Gibson is better than what his numbers are, based yeah. on the team that's played in front of him. Yeah, that's well, I wouldn't argue that. I I think that's fair. It's just how much better. And you know, I, I'm thinking the Ducks. Hey, <laughs> you're you're Anaheim. It makes sense to trade John Gibson because if he wants to go, a you never want players who don't want to be there. Number one. And number two, I think you can learn from Jacob Chikrin. Look at what Arizona, how many years he was asking for a trade, asking for a trade, asking for a trade, and then what they got in that trade. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't this crazy haul that they claimed they wanted. So if John Gibson wants out, I would trade him. And I would tra- if I'm Pat Verbeek, I'd move him at the draft as quick as I can. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I- I'm not sure though. He was like, on the table last summer and they, they wanted a really high return for him. Yeah. Wow. I that think ship has sailed to, now. Cause now he's going to force his way out. I think. Yeah. And the other thing is Frank, you have Connor Hellebuck. Every GM in the league is taking Connor Hellebuck. It's $6 million. Even though well, then the now, next Hellebuck, question is, should we trade f- some assets for, for this guy? Or should we just go after Tristan Jari who is injured often, but is going to cost a lot less and we don't have to give up an asset. Hundred percent. Like I think Tristan Jari's in a really good position as a UFA this summer. Yep. So the only we'll pro- I I'd have real concerns about his injury history. I think there's a lot going on there that's not an easy fix. Okay. We'll get to more of that. We got some Duba stuff. We got some Mike Babcock. But let's bring in uh, Tyler Yaremchuk joining us. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing well. We're doing this on a Sunday. So he's a little. Uh, yeah. He's as my friends say. He's a little hung titties. Whose idea was this to record this on a Sunday morning? Why am I working on a Sunday morning? Jason Carter. Um, yeah, regardless. I One will... of the mountains, fellas. Hey. Blame him. I'm going next weekend too, Jay, and I'm, I'm excited. It's uh, it's awesome to make a couple trips out during the summer. Uh, I will. Where are you going? What town? Uh, we go to Canmore. Okay. Where are you going, uh, Tyler? Canmore next weekend. Oh, nice. Canmore, Alberta. No, oh, yeah. I've only ever been to Jasper. So, oh, Frank, you got to go. Canmore, Banff, man. Oh, like I like it better. Wait, no offense to Jasper. Um, Jasper, I like for skiing, but if I'm going hiking and biking, you go to Canmore, and I highly recommend anybody try the Goat Creek Trail, which is about you. You 
You go up the hill behind Canmore into the mountain spring. You can actually get a taxi cab that puts your bikes on you because you don't want to leave your bike there because you don't want to bike there and back unless you're a diehard because it's 18 kilometers through the mountains from Canmore to Banff. Then you stop and have lunch and then you take the legacy trail down the road, which is a little downhill. So it's kind of nice after lunch. My son did it with us when he's seven and um, because he's a pretty big biker. And so uh, after that, all I would tell him anytime we'd be biking, he'd be tired. I'm like, yeah, but you've biked 45 K and he'd be like, oh yeah. How long is our bike ride today? 10 K. So now I'm in his head. So he thinks he can do 10 K all the time. Cause he did 45 K once. <laughs> Love to see it. Uh, so I, I highly recommend it. Do the goat Creek trail. It's phenomenal. Uh, next weekend I'm doing a bachelor party out there. So we're going to be, yeah, you're not doing the goat Creek trail. Oh, and then on Saturday night, we are ordering the pay-per-view UFC fight. UFC 289, Nunez versus Aldana. UFC back in Canada for the first time in almost four years. Six Canadians on the card as well. June 10th, UFC 289. They're the, they're the presenting sponsor, sorry, of, uh, of Buy or Sell. So let's get into it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs off the jump. There is a blank percent chance that the Leafs have a new starting goalie next season, Frank. <laughs> 50 coin flip on Samsonov, basically. Well, I just, here's the thing. They're obviously going to bring in someone else to, you know, play. I, well, not, let me, let me rephrase that. Not obviously. Cause I do think that they really like Joe wall, but I would think that with the expectations surrounding this team, the last thing you want to do is leave your goaltending up to chance and leave it up to a guy that's never played a full NHL season in Joe wall even though he's gotten experience. So I would guess that they're bringing someone in to supplement Samsonov, which would leave the door open to who starts opening night, new guy or Samsonov. I would bet that it's someone else, but we'll see. Jay. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower. Um, I think I think Brad Treland's main focus is going to be defense first. I could be wrong. So I'll, I'll say like 30%. I mean, hey, if you're trying to save money for other things, running with Wool and Samsonov next season is a pretty probably a pretty cost-effective way to build out your roster. It's uh, also a pretty cost-effective way to potentially lose in the first round again. Mm, yeah. Nope, that's, that's like that's the only thing is like what keeps you like again, we know how fickle this position is, and we just talked about it, but what what gives you a security blanket at night? Okay, but if you're watching Aiden Hill and Sergei Bobrovsky take their teams to the cup final, are you not kind of sitting there going, ah, maybe one? I think that's the worst overreaction you can have. Probably. But you could argue it's two years in a row. The cup winner is going to have a goalie that no one thought was going to backstop him to the Stanley Cup final. Well, the Avs did it literally in spite of Darcy Kemper. He had the worst playoff run of any cup winning goalie ever. And they'd use Francouz for like a handful of those wins. I don't know, man. Goaltending is voodoo. That's I'm so, convinced that's the case. So let's uh, keep talking goaltending. The best fit for Connor Hellebuck is blank, Jason. Uh, that's a good question, man. I well, when I look at teams that are close, uh, the LA Kings make a lot of sense to me. So I will stick with the LA Kings. Frank. So I'm going to answer this in a different way because I do think I like where LA is building, but are they going to be able to, are they going to be able to re-sign Hellebuck? Like, are they going to be prepared to pay Hellebuck 8 million bucks a year? And I don't know the answer to that question. Like, can they even with their cap situation afford to pay him 8 million bucks a year? Well, Kopitar's contract's done, Frank, at the end of this season. Is he going to stay at 10? No, I doubt it, but like you're then also going to start needing to pay your younger guys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so there's a whole calculus in play there. I wonder about I'm just thinking long term like if you really want to be the most competitive like what about Carolina? They don't really pay market price. And I think they're one of those teams that would subscribe to Tyler's theory, which is just like, just get someone decent that's cheap. Get two guys that are decent that are cheap. 
they have Pachetkov for two mil, right? So yeah, why wouldn't you just go find someone for like three or four? Good. I I think the Sens are a really good fit for Hellebuck. That's like one place that's never solved their goaltending. Would would he be open to an extension there? I always I, I don't would... know. Like that's the thing. I I think of him like I think of him as American who likes to fish and hunt. And where can you do those things? Winnipeg. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> hello, Dustin Bufflin. Um, but where else can you do that? Minnesota. Yeah, they're not doing anything. They got Gustafson. They're definitely not paying someone eight million bucks to play goalie or six. I was just thinking of good hunting spots. Dude, they're paying fourteen million not to play for them. Yeah, but I'm. Yeah, well, you'd have two Connor Hellebucks for that price. <laughs> All right. What so what about like I I don't think this is an I don't think this is something they would do, but I do think there's a real question that's facing some of these rebuilding teams. Like one that stands out to me is Montreal. They don't have any long-term solution in net. Well, they like Montembeau in the Worlds was very good. Okay, but they have two more years of Jake Allen and Montembeau, but think of how shitty the competition was in the Worlds. Like we already went through this. I who's their long-term answer for Carey Price? Oh yeah. I mean, I who is it? And like I think that forward group is actually really good. They need a lot of work on their back end, but if you added a Connor Hellebuck, like I I think you could see a path toward the Canadians like getting back into the playoffs. What about the Pittsburgh Penguins? They got a 3-year window, Frank. Like I let's know. be honest. I just but it's going to require like a 6-year contract for Hellebuck. Also, the Penguins, like, I was kind of looking through this the other day. They don't have the assets to trade to get him. No, they don't have the assets. But That's why I think John Gibson makes sense in Pittsburgh where he's from. Yeah. That I could see making a lot of sense. Does he cost less? He'll cost less asset-wise? He'll basically cost you, like, I don't want to say next to nothing, but not. It's not. it's you're not going to get a lot for him given four times 6.4 remaining. Yeah. Plus four straight years of a save percentage that combines to 901. But... Also from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. The vibes of him going back to Pittsburgh. The Steel City. You just can't, you can't escape the cloudiness. All right. Uh, third one I got for you guys. Frank Serval has got a new trade targets board up at dailyfaceoff.com. And there are four Winnipeg Jets in the top 20. Frank, you titled it the Summer of Chevy. Four Jets on the board. There is a blank percent chance that they're all gone. And it's Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck, and Dubois for those who... Uh, for those who don't know. So percent chance, all four of those are gone. Frank. 60. Wow. We're on the opposite ends here. I'm saying zero. I can't see all like four major trades. I'm telling you, it's way, way, way higher than zero. It may not 60, maybe an overstatement and I'm doing it for emphasis, but that's why I wrote it. I think there's a very real chance. All four. Yes. Uh, that would that would be that would be. I'd have to think of an off season for any team in NHL history to have had that bigger of a change in trades, not just losing guys in free agency because these are all trades. Well, that's what's going to happen if you don't trade them. Is all four guys are leaving an unrestricted free agency next year? Well, yeah, but, but so here's here's why I don't think all four traded this summer because I could see one. Maybe it's three. One gets dealt during the season. So if I'm there's just one to stay, it would be Dubois. Yeah, I think that was going to be. So my if point. I were gonna, if I was going to rank them in likeliness or likelihood of staying, I would go Dubois, Wheeler, only because he's hardest to trade. Yes, Shifley, Hellebuck. Yeah, like who's. T- they're going to have to retain a lot of salary on 8.25 for Wheeler. That's a tough one. Yeah. not. I mean, not a crazy amount. He still had 60 points. It'll be interesting though. Hey, Winnipeg, man, if you're a Jets fan, this month of June leading up to the draft is going to be fascinating. They weren't willing to retain any on, on Wheeler last year. Yeah. I think if you were to get him down to like five and a half or six, that seems really reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. Someone would do it for a year, probably, but it's only one year. Yeah, and it would have a- to be a contending team that's like, "Hey, we think this guy as a power forward who has playoff experience 
can help put our team over the top. Yeah. I actually, in an odd way, I, given that he's a right winger, I actually kind of really like him in Edmonton just as a stylistic fit. Yeah. They have no, they're not spending another six million. No, but it doesn't make any sense for them, but I could see that type of player making sense for them. They need help on their right side. Oh yeah. Uh, There's like the hockey transaction trade rumor nerd side of me. That is like, man, if Kevin shovel day off could like get the approval or whatever, to retain 50% across the board on all of them. So you get Wheeler down to four, Shifley to like three, and Hellebuck to whatever he'd be at, 3.1. How much would you get? Like, what's your haul of assets this summer if you could trade all three of those guys at 50% retained? That's, that's the problem is he doesn't really want future assets. He wants current assets that can help them continue to... They're never going to bottom out. Connor, Morrissey, Ehlers. Yeah. They're just, they're too good to be terrible. So they want to be back in the playoffs next year. And they just want to do it looking differently because they also know they have to rip this bandaid off. Like, and that's why, like, again, you have like some good young pieces still on your roster. If you just bit the bullet for one year, you could do what St. Louis is trying to do load up on 2024 first rounders and next summer go crazy and go trade for someone. Yeah. But St. Louis has got, they've already done their kind of changing their trend of their organization when they're, you know, their young guys, new big $8 million deals kick in this year and Cairo and Thomas. Right. So they've kind of got that. The jets have Connor and Ehlers and those guys, but I really think when the hell about trade to me is arguably the most important one because he makes so many saves for that team and with him gone, they could be exposed and that's going to be the big challenge for Winnipeg. Well, there will be exposed, but that's you have to juggle that with goalies don't really get a lot on the market because a lot of teams are having the same conversation we're having right now, which is, can we just get a guy that costs half as much and get somewhere close to the same save percentage? Yeah. And hella bucks a UFA at the end of the season. So someone like, Hey, let's just wait. You'd have to be reasonably confident that you're re-signing him and that you're willing to pay him 8 million bucks a year. I'm just spitballing a number. That's what it feels like the range he's in. Interesting stuff. There you go. That is a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, brought to you by UFC 289 next Saturday. Find it on pay-per-view. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ty, just save that 0% clip and we can use it when the season starts because it's going to be bang on. 0%. What (laughs) are we wagering? (laughs) Well, come on. I, I did this last pod. What do you want to wager? Oh, I'll wager whatever. It was steak yeah, last time. Had a steak dinner, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you're saying it's a 0% chance that they yeah, I just think it's too four. hard to trade all four guys in the summer. Okay. Do I think they could all be dealt by the deadline? It's a much different percentage. But by the start of the regular season, man, four major pieces, that's really hard to do. Yeah, I did the 60% for emphasis, but it's certainly greater than zero. <laughs> now, um, a few other things. Now, you, you, uh, you're the first one that I'd seen have it, I want to say, three weeks ago that uh, you thought Babcock was connected to 
Columbus. And, you know, that came out uh, yesterday, Portsline and Friedman discussing it. And Darren Dreger look- had the first report. Oh, it was Dregs too? Okay, I didn't yeah. see that. Wasn't on social media a lot yesterday. And um, so, you know, there's talk about the holdup. So I just want to clarify for some of our listeners, coaches actually get paid Unlike players, the player salary is done at the end of the regular season. They get all their money basically from the during the regular season. They get all their money then. Whereas coaches' money is spread out over the full 12 months. Yeah. So they're like is, coaches are like you and I and everyone yeah. else. So he's still getting paid by Toronto till the end of June. Yep. And so the longer they wait to announce it, it just means Toronto's playing full boat. So if they want to announce it, let's say easily for the 15th of June. So there's 15 days remaining. He would have to get paid that prorated percentage of $5 million, whatever Columbus's new salary is going to be. And I don't think it's going to be 5 million. Frank. Not anywhere close. So it's still going to be is, good, but it's not going to be five. Yeah. Million. So let's just say round number, it's 3 million just for argument's sake. So whatever he's owed left on his, on those final two weeks, Columbus would pay 60% of it. Toronto would pay the other 40. Right. So I think part of it is, Mike Babcock wants the Toronto Maple Leafs most likely to pay full freight, which I understand. And part of it is why have Columbus dig into their own pocket to pay him when they don't really need to just start his contract on July 1st. Yeah. Cause it's not like he has a huge role at the draft. No, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Like have him there, shake hands, kiss babies, whatever you need to do. If, if that's the case, but you don't need unless, to announce this until July 1st. Yeah, unless there's trades involved, right? Because that's Even usually... Even then, you think that he, Yarmo Kekalainen's not going to call and get feedback from Mike Babcock before it happens? <laughs> if that's what he wants to do? So you're saying there's tampering, Frank? No, I'm kidding. No, because he's had permission to speak to other teams, so there is no tampering. Oh, okay. There you go. So, yeah, it makes sense then to do it that way. What do you think of uh, Babcock coming back? What do you think the chance? Like, I know people are like, oh, him and Gaudreau will be terrible. Well, keep in mind, Johnny Gaudreau had 115 points with Daryl Sutter. Yeah. I I did see the tweets yesterday that said I would love to see the look on Johnny Gaudreau's face when he saw the news. Just because he did escape that. Uh, something similar in Calgary. Um, I think Mike Babcock is going to be a little different. I think a lot of what you're going to see is the same. I also think he's been super hungry to get back in, has been absolutely chomping at the bit to do it. And I think it's really interesting that you see Mike Babcock in Columbus, a sort of non-traditional team finished in the bottom five last year. The fact that he's willing to get back in with that team speaks to the work that he has to do, I think, to rehab his image. He's been out of the game for four years. It's a long-ass time for an accomplished coach. And part of it was the Toronto Maple Leafs were paying him so much on that precedent-setting contract that really raised the tide of every coach. He's like Tiger Woods in the PGA tour. Every coach in the NHL owes Mike Babcock a huge thank you. He raised everyone's salary by an untold, like literal millions of dollars. All of a sudden it became a thing that coaches get 5 million bucks a year. All those experienced guys that were making way less and never, you know, not to say that they didn't have a good living, but no one was touching 5 million bucks before. Now it's somewhat routine to have guys in that neighborhood. Yeah. I, I think the, the one question is going to be Babcock, not as a hockey acumen. It's dealing with players. The, well, that's the, what I said. Hand- you might see a little different approach. Yeah. Well, you should, but I think so. part of that is also bullshit. You think the Johan Franzen report? No, I, 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 Johan Franzen can feel whatever way he wants to feel. And you've heard other people talk about, um, some of the the criticism and complaints around Mike Babcock, because you've seen other players come out and say, I never had that experience. Everyone internalizes everything that goes on in a different way. And I'm not absolving Mike Babcock by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that there's some kind of question here of what is acceptable and what isn't. Like we're talking about professional sports with millions of dollars on the line Anyone that wants to say that this is a normal workplace environment can go bleep off. Yeah, I don't know. Just because it's highly competitive, 
they're they're still well. Hey, here's the thing. And the other thing about Mike Babcock is, tell me the last year Mike Babcock had success as a coach. That's so, that's a totally fair and valid point to raise. So his approach, like there's players, not a, you're right. Some guys either a weren't in the coach's bad books. It's no different than Mike Keenan. Coach guys were like, if you were part of Keenan's group, you loved him. Other guys couldn't stand him, and that's always going to happen. No one's going to love every coach they have. It's virtually impossible. But there's still certain ways that you shouldn't treat players. And I think at times when you listen to some of the things that came out, Babcock's going to now it does. Now Babcock, to his credit, was in an interview with Christine Simpson and said, hey, I made some mistakes. He at least owned up to it and said, you know what? I learned from it. I got to be better. And, and that's what life is about, where you can say, guess what? Here, uh-uh, I can't do that again. And you learn from it. So at least Babcock was one of the guys who you might not like what he did, but he came out and said, hey, you know what? I learned from it. Now, if he comes back and does it again, well, then it's just BS. But if he's different, then good for him because he's a pretty smart guy. That's what life's about is growing and learning as a human being. Like you're making mistakes all the time. You just have to to learn and grow from them. He's a pretty smart guy. I think he's going to pick up on that things can't be exactly as they were. And that over the 21 years that he's been an NHL head coach, things change. The game evolves. People evolve. You can't treat people the same way you did then. You can't coach the same way you did then because the game's changed. Yeah. So all I'm saying is I I think Mike Babcock is highly motivated to find success again. Yeah, that'd be fair. I, I would agree. And I think so are the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? Like they're desperate as an organization to find some success. Well, that's kind of the thing is this hiring reeks of desperation. This feels like the last call, last stand for Yarmo Kekalainen. Oh, I would think it has. You don't get this right, you're you're done. Yes, for sure. Um, what about in Pittsburgh? Uh, Kyle Dubas, Frank. Um, he comes out. They made some changes already in their in their three people in their management group were were let go right away uh, when he took over. Um, he's got the intern GM uh, tag on, and so he's basically going to hire someone to uh, at to some fill, point. Yeah, at some point. Um, to, okay, so let's go to that. How, how long do you think some point is like, I got to think he's going to have someone before the season starts and likely sooner than later. The whole thing is, is really confusing to me because like, we know now that, and I've been talking about this for a long time, that his push was for autonomy and he wanted complete control of hockey ops decisions. And he finally got that in Pittsburgh. So the confusing part about him hiring a general manager now is he's basically going to put that same person in the same spot that he was in, in Toronto, and didn't like it. Well, maybe so he gives, why him, maybe even he gives him more a of a voice. Well, maybe this is going to be like a baseball type thing where the GM is just a guy who does all the work and the president of operations is the one who does all the the transactions. Well, it's like in the NBA. Look at some of the GMs in the NBA, Frank. Some of the GMs in baseball, you don't even know who their na- what their name is because they're yeah. not the chief exactly. officer, right? Like they're 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 doing they're doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, but I guess my point is that's not how it's worked in hockey, and we've seen plenty of people that have had full overarching power as president and GM. Why? Why hire anyone at all, I guess, is my point. Why not just hire a couple trusted advisors as assistant GMs, guys who can do you know, some of the work for you, and then just handle everything yourself? So yeah. the only thing I can think of is Kyle Dubas wants someone in place so that at some point when there's a lot of shrapnel flying they can be that person that is the bullet sponge because there's there's gonna need to be someone that in pittsburgh i don't think it's this season i i probably don't think it's next season i think they kind of have two years to compete while Sidney crosby's under contract that you're gonna have to make some really difficult decisions there maybe he doesn't want the blood on his hands maybe that's the motivation for hiring a GM is someone that is essentially just 
the bullet sponge to do all the dirty work in Pittsburgh that's required. It's always, you know what it is. I do hate things change. Um, you were right, Frank. Uh, you said to get a seven-year deal. We said minimum five, and you got uh, a seven-year deal in in Pittsburgh. Not to, and not to say Elliot's wrong, by the way, because I did see his report, but I was initially told six years times five million. Okay. Which would be 30 million bucks. Either way, in an almost unprecedented length of contract for a GM. Yeah, I think six. there's been some that have gotten significant contracts. Garth Snow. Someone told me it was on an eight-year deal. Well, Ken Holland had five years right now in Edmonton, right? Right, but seven is is a different yeah. stratosphere. And that I how many times did I say in this pod, if you're if that's your motivation for Kyle Dubas and you want security, that's the perfect place to ask for a seven-year deal. You how many times did I say it? Five? Yeah. At least. Oh, yeah, we thought minimum would be five. So yeah, it makes sense that it uh it goes a, a little bit longer. It, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm kind of. I'm interested to see what the plan of attack is in Pittsburgh. When you look at, like, the age and the production of their best guys was was good last year. You can, no one can complain about it. But, and so in theory, you should say, hey, we've got our core pieces. Build around that. Obviously, goaltending will be a question mark. What are they doing with Tristan Jari? Right, and like you. You mentioned earlier, Frank, about Tristan Jari. How concerned are you about his health? Very. He hasn't really shown an ability to stay upright for a sustained period of time. I mean, think back to the playoffs last year. Think back to, uh, you know, this this season. Like, how many chunks of time did he miss? It's availability and dependability are two of the best abilities. And in that position, it, it means everything. So I don't know exactly what the issue is, whether it's a back thing or a hip thing, but my understanding of what was going on there was that it was all interconnected. You know, you have a back or a hip issue and all of a sudden you got a knee problem because you're overcompensating or whatever it is, it's all interrelated. So I don't know what the exact root issue is, but apparently it's significant. Yeah, well, that's never good, right? Um, it's the old adage, Frank, hip bones connected to the knee bone. And a lot of times, you know, <laughs> there's lots of different connections to, uh, to everything. And if you get one thing out of sync and it just doesn't, it doesn't get into proper rehab and it's not working, we've seen guys where, they, you know what, they fix one problem and then another one arises. So, mm-hmm. um it because Tristan Jari, when he's on, I thought he was pretty good for Pittsburgh last year. So he's a really good goalie. That's yeah. that's what you have to weigh is like how healthy is he and what can you realistically expect from him? Well, the goalie carousel with uh, Hellebuck and Gibson and Tristan Jari, it's a uh, it's going to be interesting to watch this offseason. We you know, and there's a few other names, you know, Freddie Anderson and yeah, uh, his numbers are quite good and he's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah, there's like there's there's some quality options out. I would argue that the goaltending position now, granted it's not all free agents because two of those are trades, but you could argue the goalie market this year, Frank, of all the positions, if we're talking free agencies and stuff, it might be the best one where you could get a a really good bargain, really good value. But the, also the question is it's very uncertain from year to year is what you're going to get. That's why I said it was the summer of Chevy. He's got the best goalies, best goalie and the best centers, plural. Dubois and Shifley both available. You got to think he could try to find a way. Now I know Dubois was on record as saying, you know what? He didn't want to sign long-term there last year. They said that was out of blown out of proportion. Yeah. Things change. Right. And it might be, Hey, guess what? You get players. A lot of players like to have the pressure of being the go-to guy. You don't get to the NHL being scared of it. You want it. Yeah. And, and I could see, Hey, if you get rid of Shifley and Wheeler, then now you're a main guy with Kyle Connor. Maybe. Right? That could be Well, you want to quickly run through uh, some of the Bettman comments from Saturday night to open up the cup final? Yeah, he definitely, Frank, he just, he ruined everybody who thought there was a, now, I just want to say, I know he said he thinks the cap isn't going to go up. Do you believe that or is that typical Gary negotiating? I don't believe it. Um, Thank you. Sources say the... NHL and NHLPA met, I think it was last Wednesday in New York. Yep. 
And I think one of the things on the table was a two and a half million to three million uh, increase in the cap. Now, again, the NHL wants something in return. And the NHL is really concerned about revenues taking a significant hit next year, potentially with impact from this Bally Sports Diamond Sports Group bankruptcy case. Yeah. Uh, just info from my end suggests that the Bally Sports Group seems to be really confident that if they can have this debt restructured this summer, that there won't be any issue. But it's still a few hundred million dollars, if not more, uh, in revenue for the league. So a significant uh, issue that the league is monitoring. Um, Bettman said at the at the press conference at the Stanley Cup final, the annual state of the league, that they're ex- they're closing in on six billion dollars in in revenue. Yeah, that vastly exceeds expectations and projections. Like we were at 4.8 pre-pandemic. To go from 4.8 to 6 is an enormous leap. Yeah, it's huge. So it tells you how healthy the revenue perspective has been for the league. It also tells you that that debt from owners to players is really close to getting paid off. So to enter next season to only have it with another flat cap year of, of a $1 million increase and then to pay off the debt a couple weeks into the season, it Man. makes no sense to anyone. No. That's- and then all of that results in is you handing NHL GMs somewhere between a 7 and $8 million increase next year in 2024. Who wants to hand NHL GMs $8 million in free cap space? No owner in their right mind would do that. Players love it, but yes, I see your point. It would be a bonanza. <laughs> so, so what you're looking at is how do we find a way to smooth this out? And what the NHL is looking at, how do we find a way to extract something from the players in exchange for this happening, even though I'm told the NHL's board of governors is beginning to heat up on the issue and they don't want a flat cap. Oh, God. And Gary knows they don't want a flat cap. Yes, I... So I, I'm with you, Frank. I, I I'll, I'll say it. I'll be very surprised if it's only one million when it's all said and done. Um, and you know that at, obviously they want to know what the cap is before free agency starts. So we will have a solidified answer for sure before the end of the month. Um, Week of the draft, uh, probably the Tuesday before the draft. Yeah, right. The day after the NHL awards. Uh, Arizona, he says, Hey man, uh, they're still looking for options for them. Uh, hey, no one could say Gary hasn't given Arizona every opportunity to stick. I'm not surprised by his comments. He was never going to come out and say anything negative. He never has it. He's all about, you know, how does it look in the PR battle? But we know they're playing there for one more season. Frank, do you think Arizona is going to play for more than one season? Well, the most interesting comments from Saturday didn't come from the commissioner. They came from Marty Walsh, the new executive director of the NHLPA. He spoke to reporters shortly after that press conference and his quote, I can read it to you, but he he says it in a sort of understated way, but it's a message sent to the NHL. Like we're not going to tolerate an interminable um, stay at Mullet Arena. So here, I'll read you the quote. I met with Coyotes players and they asked a number of questions. Walsh said, they're players and they play in a college arena, NHL players, and they play in a college arena. The commissioner said he wanted to look at other options in Arizona, but I'd like to know what the NHL's plans are. There was a big step backwards with losing the vote in Tempe. If we don't have a new location in the near future in Arizona, we'll have to have serious discussions with NHL officials. The Coyotes won't be able to play in a university building forever. It's not good for the NHL's image, and it's not good for revenue sharing between players and owners. Yeah, makes sense. Nothing what he said there should shock anyone. No, but it's this is only going to get as hot as the NHLPA wants to make it. And if you're going to sit there and suck your thumb in the corner while a franchise continues to play in an, in an, in an NCAA arena with no end in sight, then just don't say anything at all. That would be my response. Yeah. No, 
That's fair. Uh, anything else Gary said pique your interest? Um, not, I mean, just some little files to keep an eye on the 2018 World Junior Team, Team Canada investigation into the sexual assault. Um, I thought they were almost done, Frank, last September. It's it's ridiculous how long this has taken. Remember, going back to the beginning of the season, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly saying, quote, the investigation was substantially complete, end quote. Yeah. Substantially complete. And we've now all oh, magically made it through another NHL season without news. Hmm. Yeah. I know some of the holdup was the London police service and their investigation. The NHL did not want to make any judgments and or punishments or statements based on information. If those two investigations didn't line up appropriately. However, like this has gone on so long. It just sort of feels like to me, the NHL is going to say something in the dead of the summer when no one's paying attention. And that'll be that. Yeah, I think it's hard. Like people will always be paying attention, but I see you're saying this is like a, a late July, early August announcement. It's what you're after free agency, or you just try to slide it in when there's lots of other news and it gets overlooked Two is different ways to look at. It. I don't think it's going to get overlooked because I, I think this is too big of a story that a lot of people have followed and they want to see a resolution. I, I don't think whenever, I don't care what day or what time you try to announce this at, I think it'll get a lot of traction. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't. I don't think there was anything else that we missed from his press no. conference. No, I think you know the salary cap was the big one for a lot of people. Arizona, uh, Nachushkin guys. Anything yeah, so? I mean the Nachushkin thing, not well, really be- surprising because the NHL never made a statement. So the NHL said that they felt like the Nachushkin thing was handled appropriately and that he's free and eligible to play. I still. I think the Colorado Avalanche have a lot to say or should have a lot to say based on the matter. I mean, if you go back and you read the story in the Seattle times this week where they got the police body cam footage from the officers on scene, there's, there's the woman that's being taken away again, under the influence of something and intoxicated. She's saying that someone in that hotel took her passport and is a bad man and there's a lot of allegations thrown around. And at the very minimum, it's abundantly clear that Valeri Nachushkin missed their morning skate that day because he was on a bender. And whatever that involved, um, to think that you can just show up to training camp in September and all is good and the, the abs don't need to address this, I think, is, is lunacy. Oh, Hundred percent. There's, you would think that you know your teammates, somebody, guys. This is playoffs, and this is what's happening. So, yeah, I, I uh, you know, who knows? There, the thing about the body cam, at least the one that I saw, Frank, like there was parts where you know some of it's muted out, and then there's parts where there was never any names ever said. That's the part. no, but I think they did a good job reporting it based on also the information they had from the police report. They took it as far as they could. So yeah. we also learned from the body cam footage that Nachushkin was in the room with her. Yeah. And also was under the influence. Oh, yeah. Of something. Clearly. Yeah. So um, one other thing uh, quickly. Um, Bedman did mention that uh, he slated to have interviews with Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville. We talked about them on the pod earlier last week. I found it curious that he said after the final, which I read to mean at least historically after the NHL's hiring season has ended, is this the NHL keeping them out or is this um, them not gaining enough interest in for positions to even make it an issue? I don't like it's a chicken and the egg argument, right? I don't know the answer, but I, I would like to know. Well, it's what I said last week, Frank. I, I I could see them saying, okay, you know what? They're cleared, but no one's hiring now, so you have to wait. So it's a way for people to to have more time to, to accept that they might be returning to the National Hockey League and that it wasn't an instant where everybody just jumped on them, right? So that, that that's kind of what I thought would happen, and you know, we'll see if it plays out because you're bang on that now. Some of the coaches, though, aren't hired yet, but – but it's going to be, but another couple of weeks from now, after the finals over, like every position theoretically should be spoken for by then. You would hope so. Right. So 
But is it did they not get enough interest to put to force the issue, or has Bettman essentially said to them, "You're out, and I'll talk to you when I'm ready to let you back in"? I don't know the answer, but I'd like to know. That's a good point. So, like I said, I I still believe that um, you know, both Bowman and Quenville. It's still yet to really get a sense that they've told their version, Frank, and I think it would benefit them. Yeah, it might be difficult, but most human beings, I believe, if you're honest, or at least give them the opportunity to hear your words and your version and see what you can and let them then make their own determination, because there's a lot of determinations based on stuff that, you know, connecting dots and stuff that's being said, but not really being said. So. I think that would benefit either one. I'm not sure they're willing to do it, but I think it would be beneficial. Agreed. Have yourself a great week, Ty. Hydrate, and uh, we will chat with you guys on Thursday. Canmore. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.